For me, when I think about building to improve lives, I really believe that the work that we do improves our employees' lives, every subcontractor and vendor that walks on our job site, the clients who we're building a building for, could be adding a window to someone's office or just the greater community. I feel like it's, it's that powerful. Welcome everyone to another episode of a Life of Climb podcast. I'm here today with Jessica Meyer, CEO of the GEM Group, a construction services firm in central Pennsylvania. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you very much, Sam. Congrats on the amazing success you've had for now, I guess, almost 20 years. And when I look at some of the awards, besides just Vistage Lifetime Achievement Award, which is exciting, and I look at Pennsylvania's Best 50 Women in Business, SBA's Women-Owned Business of the Year, three-time fastest-growing company in uh, central Pennsylvania, General Contractor of the Year by the American Subcontractors Association, incredible involvement in philanthropy from the YMCA, Central Penn Food Bank, Salvation Army, Penn State Medical Center, all these incredible accomplishments. But let's talk about how it all started, because I think about where you are today and that it's going to be fun to hear your journey. And when I, I have to start by seeing, looking at your background, communication major, Tell me how this happened that you even got in the construction business. Thank you, Sam. So I went to school initially as a political science major, changed to a communications major, was really just trying to figure it all out. During that time in my summer's home, when I would come home for the summer, my stepfather owned a regional construction company, and I would work there in the summers. So that was really uh, when I dipped my toe uh, into the water Still did not have my sights set on a career in construction, but had a little exposure. Fast forward, I graduated uh, from Penn State, started looking um, for a job, interviewed for some jobs in the communication field, thought I would give that a try, until my stepfather approached me and he said, why don't you come uh, and work for me for a little while? Uh, that for now turned into about 10 years working for him in a variety of positions. Uh, my first assignment um, was I went and spent almost two years on a job site. So there was no cushy job in the office. Now, I wasn't using a hammer, but I was part of a, a project team um, that was managing a very large building program at a place called the Milton Hershey School. And that's when I got to see firsthand um, the construction process and uh, when I really started to um, get interested in having a career in that business. So, How soon into it were you excited about it, thinking, this is what I'm going to do. So you go, you start off on this project here, but when, how far were you, you into this career when you went, I think this is what I want to do? I worked um, for eight years doing business development across a variety of sectors. And that's when I really started to enjoy the business, got to work with a lot of different companies and sit with, you know, an organization and talk about an inception of a project and then really get to see it through to the end. Really just enjoyed that process. So I would say once I got engaged in, in selling and, and helping bring people on board for projects, that's when I, I knew I wanted to be in this business. Well, you said one of the major reasons you started Gem Group was because there was and there, there is a real need for diverse contractors and subcontractors. So take us back to your thinking then in starting the company and how you, how you plan to address that need. Yes. Yeah, so at that point in time, I was I was still working for my stepfather, a large regional contractor. They were doing a lot of projects in the city of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And on those projects, there were a lot of requirements for diverse subcontractors, sometimes 20 percent, um, sometimes more. And what 
I learned during that time is there really were a lack of um, diverse contractors, subcontractors in our community. And I saw an opportunity to, to form a, a business, a diverse business, woman-led business to address that need. And that need you know, still remains today. I'm able to play my part and, and also try to, on the projects that, um, that we undertake as a general contractor and construction manager, make sure that we have as much diverse subcontractor participation as we can. I th think it's really important. Are there any big lessons along the way you've learned? Because there had to be some, some obstacles you had to overcome on, on this journey. Yes, there there were many. Speaking to the you know male woman working in a male dominated field, uh, you have to remember that I'd already been working in construction for about ten years. So when I started Gem Group, that wasn't one of my biggest concerns. I was pretty comfortable being the only woman in a room, uh, walking onto a job site, or being the only woman at a pre bid. But what I was concerned about was the fact that um, I was starting a business when I was thirty years old and had never run a business before. Wow. I did not have a technical background. So lesson learned for me was making sure that I was putting the right team around me. That was the right consultants, having the right attorney, CPA that could talk financial language to somebody that didn't have a strong financial background. I mean, all of those things needed to be assembled so that I was, you know, prepared to launch the business. So those were the things that I was really thinking about, much more so than you know the male-dominated thing. I also say that I grew up with two parents that told me that I could do anything. I remember my mom was coaching my soccer team when I was probably in second or third grade, but I was the only girl on the team that year. I grew up in a rural community um, in Somerset County, and girls didn't really play soccer. And I remember the one day my mom, you know, sent me off in the field, and she just said, "You go out there. You're just as good as those boys." And I think when you have people like that in your life, you know, and you hear those voices at those moments when you're doubting yourself. That was important for me. What what a great story here. <laughs> well, I'm, I want to ask about a few of the projects because some of them are pretty cool. How would you would you describe, if it's possible, is there any way to describe like what the the ideal gem customer is? Who, who are the people or the perfect projects or the people you work with? Maybe just as a, a synopsis, that would be helpful. I think there is an ideal customer for sure. I think when we're able to um, do business with customers that we can have relationships with, that we're not just building one project, uh, where we have a purpose and values that are aligned, I think that's when the best outcomes and collaborations occur. That's what makes business fun, when you can put those things, when those all can connect, that's when it is really fun. Well, tell, tell me about, I mean, when I look on your site, when I hear about the projects you've done, you know, REI, Susquehanna Art Museum, of course, you know I was going to ask about Hershey's Chocolate Town. Tell us a little bit about those projects, when you think about the fun behind them, the excitement behind them. What, what's been the most fun project you've worked on? Is it Hershey's Chocolate Town? What, tell us that. That was certainly an exciting project because it was um, very public. Hershey Entertainment Resort owns and operates um, that facility, and they wanted to reimagine the front entrance and customer experience as you entered the park, and that is Hershey's Chocolate Town. So there's a lot of buildings there. Super exciting uh, project. But what made that project really special for me and for Jem is for Hershey Entertainment Resort has been my client for many, many years. They always came to us for their small, smaller projects, not for, for the big ones. And every year I would go in and I'd meet with them and I said, hey, this is great. We're so grateful for the business, but we can do more. 
let me tell you what we've been doing. And I would go in and I would tell our story every year. And the director of construction there, who I had a good relationship with, he's like, I hear you, Jessica, just, just be patient, just be patient. So finally, Hershey's Chocolate Town, everybody knows it's coming. And, and I get a phone call saying, we'd like you to submit a proposal for this. So very long story short, we, we did the project. It was very successful. But what was really uh, special for us is it really put us on the map as a a small woman-owned business that was capable of doing large complex work. And so it really was a game changer for us, not just get doing the work and doing it well, um, but really has springboarded us into being able to be tapped on the shoulder for much larger projects. Yeah, I, I would imagine from a business development perspective, just like you said, when you're able to jump into a project like that, it just opens a door to say, hey, we proved ourselves here. If you could encapsulate the the gem difference, like when, when people work with gem, what's, what's the difference that when you do, when you're out there talking to people about the real value of working with you, what's the, the key difference that they'll get in working with your company? So when I think about that particular project, um, we really thought about what is it going to take to, you know, to, to win and get across the finish line. We've got to look at every single project that we undertake, you know, understand the complexities and put together the right group of individuals and, and really customize that experience for the client and for the project. And that's what really, you know, makes a difference, not just having this cookie cutter approach. We took the time probably about five years ago to, to map our customer experience and customer journey. It was a after I saw Vistage speaker. All right. That's a true story. <laughs> And I said, I want to do this. And I hired a consultant. And that has made a difference in how we're doing business with our customers and, and how we're transacting and keeping us consistent and, and following you know, a process. And I do think that that makes us different than, than other contractors in the region. Your tagline at GEM is, we, we build to improve lives. And talk to me about that positioning and why you think it's so important to connect what you build to the people that it impacts. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that question. So several years ago, we were going through a, a planning process, and that's when the, the buzz about, you know, Simon Sinek, what's your why? And everybody started talking about purpose, and our facilitator challenges. And they're like, well, why are you doing this, you know, other than to make money and give people jobs? And I kept coming back to building to improve lives over and over again. And I presented that to, to my team, and they were like, yeah, that, that's it. And for me, when I think about building to improve lives, I really believe that the work that we do improves our employees' lives, every subcontractor and vendor that walks on our job site, the clients who we're building a building for could be adding a window to someone's office or just the greater community. I, I feel like it's, it's that powerful. And so we have rallied around that um, at GEM. We talk about it at our company. We talk about it outside of our company. And I really... It's become part of our brand and a part of, you know, of our organization. I'm excited to dive deeper there, but first, a quick break. This episode of a Life of Climb podcast is brought to you by Vistage, the world's largest executive coaching and peer advisory organization. As a CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go it alone? What if you could journey with an experienced guide? and an elite team of peers who've got your back. With that kind of support, how high could you climb? Vistage has been helping leaders reach new heights for more than 60 years. It's a proven, time-honored approach that can help you too. Learn more about Vistage and discover more leadership resources at vistage.com. And now, back to our episode. I know we're 
we're still seeing the impacts of in many businesses of the COVID pandemic. And I know that the construction industry is impacted through things like supply chain uh, challenges, labor shortages everywhere, inflation. What are some of the big learnings that maybe you gained during the pandemic? And how are you applying them to your business today? Such a hot topic among CEOs. We realize that we need to be adaptable and have a flexible game plan at all times. You talked about supply chain and prices changing really daily in some cases. Maybe not that volatile right this second, but there, there was a period of time where our subcontractors wouldn't hold a price for more than 24 hours. Wow. And so one of the things, you know, that, that's disruptive to our clients. It's disruptive to our ability to, you know, manage budgets. And so our approach with our clients is just to be 100% transparent at all times about what's happening and, and what we're doing. It's really the only way to manage the situation. And quite frankly, it's worked really well. Bringing our clients in under the tent, letting them know where things are at all times, gotta be ready for anything. Completely agree with you. I, I think that's such a great point about transparency. I've seen so many businesses struggle that tried to craft a new story, a new strategy, a new plan, and then it just change on you instead of just talking with, with your customers about what challenges you have, because they're having the same challenges as everybody else. You talked about being transparent. You also describe your leadership style as authentic. I wonder what that means to you and why do you think it's important for a leader to be authentic in order to build trust? Tell us a little bit about that. So to me, being authentic starts with honesty, being able to really listen and sometimes being vulnerable. I think all of those things help build trust uh, within a team. That's something that I try to lead with. I can tell you a little story. Um, last week I was out on a job site uh, visiting, visiting one of my superintendents, as I often do, and he's going through some personal struggles um, right now in his family. And I stood there and I listened to him for, for 20 minutes. And after I listened to him, it turns out that I had had a very similar situation um, that he was facing, and I shared that with him. And he listened to me, and, and, and then we parted ways. And fast forward to yesterday, he and I were talking on the phone about something. He said, I wanted to let you know how much that conversation that we had last week meant to me. The fact that you were willing to, as the CEO of the company, share something personal like that, it made me feel like I'm not on an island. Mm. And I think that... You know, me being a little bit vulnerable, sharing something. He never thought, you know, he's looking up thinking, oh, she's a CEO. Her life is perfect. And I think being real with people and letting them really see you and, and, and having that honesty, I think it builds trust and a connection and um, engagement. That's what authentic means. It's a great story. Yeah, thank you. Where did you learn that? Is that something that you had a mentor that helped model that? Where did you learn that? I know I spent a lot of time as a younger person, as a younger leader, thinking I need to, needed to be or act a certain way. All of this, yeah. And um, that takes a lot of work. I don't want to do that anymore. And so I think for me, that word authentic, you know, resonates with me. And I work at it, right? It's not natural because you spend all these years, you know, oh, I'm the CEO. I need to be behave a certain way and be a certain way. Um, but it's not, it's not natural. So I think now that I'm more mature and comfortable in my own skin and comfortable as a leader, being authentic just feels right. Makes life easier too, doesn't it? It does <laughs> make life easier. Let's talk about mentorship. I know you talk about this being important to you. I'm along with building your teams. Can you take us a little bit th uh, through your philosophy on mentorship and how are you working to grow this next generation within your company and even within your industry? Tell us a little bit about that. 
I had so many positive mentoring relationships along the way. I think sometimes people were mentoring me and they didn't even even know it. And I really want to give back and, and make sure that, that I'm paying it forward and mentoring other people. And I've been a big sister for Big Brothers Big Sisters. I've I mentored a student at Harrisburg University, our local university. So I try to do that, you know, one-on-one. And then I try to encourage other people within GEM to have those mentoring relationships. But related to, you know, mentoring and encouraging the next generation of construction leaders, um, that's something that I'm really focused on and our team at GEM. You mentioned earlier about labor shortages. One of the reasons there are labor shortages is we have an aging, skilled labor pool right now, and we don't have enough young people going into the trades. We've been, excuse the term, brainwashed for years that you need to go to college to be successful. And it's just not true. I agree. It's it's just not true. So we are talking to kids early, as early as four years old, about construction. And those conversations are pretty simplistic um, for the four-year-olds, but up into the high schoolers. This year, we had um, a co-op student working with us from the local technical school carpentry program. He was with us in the fall and the spring. He was excellent, and we just hired him full-time. But I really think for our industry, we need to be out there as construction leaders talking to students uh, when they're young about how great it is. And that's something that we're really invested in personally at JAM is, is developing that next generation. And it takes time. Our first job is to serve our clients and, and, and build buildings, but we're not going to be able to build buildings if we don't grow our workforce. That seems like a terrific cause. I just love the the statement you made there that, that to go into skilled trade is an incredible career. People can have incredible lives doing that. And we don't, we definitely don't educate people enough on that. It's exciting to hear somebody really thinking about that. Cause I, I just think that somehow, like you say, that we, everybody gets programmed that you gotta go on this path. Any secrets you have right now on hiring and retaining great people this you know we talked about supply chain this is also on the minds of ceos like hiring great people and keeping great people anything you're learning a gem that other listeners might be able to learn from you talk to your people all of the time you know stay connected make sure that they know that they matter that they have a career path that they are an important part of of your organization that is really, to me, it's, it's very basic and, and fundamental, but in the course of a, a busy work environment, I don't think it happens enough and we're all vulnerable right now. And if you're, if you're talking to your employees and you're listening to your employees, you can hopefully get ahead of that. All the other basics, of course, compensation, but beyond that, making sure you have that great culture of listening and making your people feel important and engaged and being transparent and honest and authentic, like those things to me matter just as much as the compensation. What do you, what do you see as the next big challenge for Jim on the horizon here as you figure out your next path? I think you've, you've set like a goal to get to 100 million. What's the next big challenge to get you there? I think that we just talked about it. I think building the, the team to get us, sustaining the team we have and then and building that next generation of, of Gem Group leaders to help us get to $100 million. Um, we work in a, in a great region and, and area in, in Pennsylvania, and we're very thankful that, that work is plentiful. And we're working really hard to, to build that team. And we have lots of 
there's a lot of focus here on, on career development and training, and that will be pivotal for us to springboard and hit that hundred million in revenue with a hundred team members, improving a hundred million lives. You know, that's what we're striving for over the next 10 years. Makes a fun place to work when that's part of the story, when people really see that kind of impact. I love that. Is there any other advice you could give other, other leaders? You know, we talked about mentorship. I would just say you're never too old for a mentor. <laughs> You know, as a leader, I always look for ways to get better professionally and, and personally. And I think mentorship, whether that takes the form of a Vistage peer group, which is really my primary source of mentorship, or a trusted colleague, or even an advisory group, I think that if we want to continue to be the best leaders that we can be, having somebody that you can talk to and support you and help you grow, I just think you're never too old for a mentor. Well, thank you, Jessica, for spending time with us today. What a great success story and really appreciate the insights that you shared. Best of luck in the future. Thank you so much, Sam. It was great being here. Thanks for joining us for this edition of A Life of Climb podcast. Friendly reminder to please subscribe or follow the podcast to get all the latest episodes. And please visit Vistage.com slash podcast for more resources to support you on your leadership journey.